Good morning. Welcome to Earthmakers, spiritual care for real humans. My name is Josiah, and I am the grateful creator and host of this podcast. You know, in some ways, so I, I think to myself every once in a while that I should open my podcast by saying, Hi, I'm Josiah, and I am an addict. And then those of us who have any experience in the recovery community or in the 12-step community while listening to this podcast might feel an impulse to respond, Hi, Josiah. So that is a huge part of my story. I am an addict in recovery. And this morning, I was listening to the Dharma Punks podcast by Josh Korda, the great Josh Korda. Josh Korda is a secular Buddhist teacher. Uh, he teaches the Dharma um, through a uh, program, a temple, a sangha called uh, Dharma Punks in Brooklyn, New York. And this morning, while listening to his episode on uh, how to live during a pandemic, he talked about his experiences growing up in the New York City area and all of the things that he experienced, including the AIDS and crack cocaine epidemic. Um, and he shares that it was after witnessing the planes flying into the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center on September 11th, 2001, that his life changed forever. Life for Americans changed in general on 9-11, of course. I mean, everyone in some way was impacted and touched by that event. I mean, it, it did alter the course of our lives. Um, although, you know, years later now, we can look back and see that although it changed things, the further we get from it, the less we feel its effects, which in some way is a pretty cool thing. But Josh describes this event as the thing that pushed him to change his life as somebody who had been working in the advertising world to studying the Dharma and to become trained as a Buddhist teacher, which he's been doing now for the better part of 16 plus years at Dharma Punks in Brooklyn. What was your 9-11? What was the thing for you that happened? I had a, a professor in college, a systematic theologian named Dr. Jonathan Case. He was a mentor of mine, a, a beloved man. And Dr. Case once said to a, a class of mine during his lecture, one day something's going to happen to you that's going to shake you to your very core. What you do after that is up to you, but you will either decide to stick with your faith or walk away. You will have a choice. He was describing that 9-11 event. That thing that changed everything. That thing that pushed us toward 
recovery. And whether or not you are somebody who is diagnosed with the disease of addiction is immaterial because all of us, my friends, are in recovery for something. All of us are in need of recovery. Maybe you were in a relationship that ended in divorce or a breakup. Maybe you have a broken relationship with your children or your parents or your siblings. Maybe you have a, uh, a, a hurt, a wound around a time that you lost a job in an embarrassing and shaming way. Maybe you have trauma from events that were out of your control. Maybe you lost a loved one or a pet. To this day, even years later, you don't feel like you're the same person. Well, my friends, recovery is possible. And all we have to ask ourselves after that 9-11 event, so to speak, is what are we recovering? What is it that we want to recover or bring back to the fold? What, what is it that we would like to see rise to the surface again? My 9-11 happened years ago, um, right before my wedding. Uh, it became evident to my community of faith and to my seminary that I was an addict. I had issues. I had been acting out of my addiction in ways that had harmed a number of people. And um, I lost my vocation, essentially, at that time. And, uh, and then began my recovery journey. It was a devastating season for me. But I can't say necessarily that it was bad, right? I don't want to use judgment language for that time because it was that season that pushed me to recover. And what was I recovering? Truly, dear listeners, I have been in the process of recovering myself, recovering Josiah. People say, well, I want to be reintroduced to myself. Well, this isn't even a matter of reintroduction. For me, it's a matter of introduction. From the age of five on, I had been developing addictive patterns, yes, from that early of an age, that obscured my vision of me. And it wasn't until I started practicing Buddhism early in my recovery that I was soon start I was soon able to see gradually bit by bit with eyes unclouded. It is a real gift. So what are you in recovery for? What are you recovering? What did you lose? 
What has been a what has been covered up or obscured for you? What does it feel like? Maybe the rest of your life feels perfect, but it just feels like there's something just beyond your grasp. Maybe this pandemic has brought out some tremendous fear or worry in you or shame in you that is devastating. Let's take in a deep breath together. Hold and breathe out all the way out. Just take a moment to soften your neck, unclench your jaw. Sometimes I have to stick my tongue in between my teeth to keep my jaw from clenching. Picture warm white light running down your spine from the base of your neck to the top of your rump. Wherever you're sitting, allow the chair or the floor or the cushion to hold you right where you are. We walk around trying to hold ourselves up physically. You don't need to do that right now. See yourself as firmly rooted in your seat and allow that seat to hold you. And listen to the first three steps of the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. And notice what sticks out to you. We admitted we were powerless over our addictions, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step one. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step two. We made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of our higher power as we understood our higher power. Step three. What do you notice there, friends? The foundation of the 12 Steps of AA is decidedly Christian. Um, It was started by a group of Catholic priests who were trying to recover from alcoholism, and uh, Bill W. and Dr. Bob um, showed up and took what these Catholic priests were doing and transformed it into what we now know as AA and the 12 Steps. You don't have to be in AA specifically to benefit from the 12 steps. And here's why. Whether you are a Christian or not, a theist, an atheist, a non-theist, a deist, an agnostic, whatever the hell you are, doesn't matter. Because all the the first three steps of the 12 steps are speaking to, all that it's speaking to, is our default unconscious response as humans.
especially step three. In step three, it says, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of our higher power as we understood our higher power. So let's think about that for a minute. We as humans literally do a step three every moment of every day, whether consciously or not is immaterial, right? In this case, we are choosing what we allow to have power over us. We are choosing what we wish to worship. The word worship just comes from um, uh, the word worthship, which just means what is it that we are uh, tying ourselves to that we feel gives us meaning and purpose and value in this life. As a human, you are a meaning-making machine, and so you're going to just naturally tie yourself to things. During this season of the pandemic, many Americans, especially many Americans in Washington, have tied themselves to the power of fear. The sad part about this is, is that fear actually doesn't have any actual power over us, but we give it that power. So fear is not a good or helpful higher power because it's not a higher power at all. It's not higher. It's actually lower or on par, but it's not higher. This is why people tie themselves consciously to certain religions and dogmas because they believe that in doing so, they are tying themselves to worshiping, uh, getting value, tapping meaning and value and purpose from something that is good and helpful. Christianity, Islam, and Ju Judaism, the Abrahamic faiths, describe a higher power called God and this higher power is unconditionally loving and merciful and gracious and all-powerful. Why wouldn't I want that? If it could help me recover from one of the most devastating diseases or setbacks of my life. If this thing could help me recover from my 9-11, quote-unquote, right? Why wouldn't I tie myself to it? And as David Foster Wallace reminds us in his speech, This is Water, this is why people tie themselves to Jesus or Allah or Yahweh or the Wiccan Mother Goddess or the Four Noble Truths or some infrangible set of ethical principles. It's because it's a conscious effort to tie ourselves to something good, to choose something that we believe is higher than us, that can actually guide us and restore our lives to sanity, to help us recover a true sense of self after devastation, after the bomb has hit. Which bombs have hit for you, dear listeners? Which bombs have struck your life? Maybe you're living in the aftermath, or maybe you're living in the, the shock right now of your bomb, of your devastating event or experience that shook you to your core. Well, whatever you're experiencing first and foremost, 
I am so sorry, truly, that you are in pain. My invitation to you is not to ignore the pain, not to flee it or fight it either, but rather to lean into it with as much support as you need from therapists, from friends, from significant others, from family members. Lean into it with support. My brother is an atheist. He calls his higher power kindness. He believes that kindness is a power greater than him. And it's something that can actually touch people's hearts and change people's lives. He doesn't need to call it God. He doesn't need to call it Jesus. He doesn't need to call it uh, Buddhism or Hinduism or some particular religion or philosophy. It's just kindness. It's just the kindness of human hearts, one to another. My brother has witnessed the power of kindness, and it's touched his heart, and so he can choose consciously to give his life over to it in every moment or not. Oftentimes, because of the way my life has gone and because of certain mental health issues and past traumas I have, I will find myself in many moments giving myself over to the power of anxiety. Thinking that, at least unconsciously, I could derive and tap meaning and value from doing that, which I absolutely cannot do. I cannot derive true meaning and true value from anxiety because it's not a helpful higher power, because it's not a higher power at all. Ask yourself today, my friends, what am I trying to recover from? And what is it that I am trying to specifically recover? Maybe you don't know. I get it. Really. And I'm sorry. But are you willing to take the risk and find out? Because it could be the thing that saves your life. Don't give up on recovering you. And you will find on this journey of recovery that not even your personal 9-11 could destroy you. But rather, it might be the thing that led you back to yourself. Thank you, my friends. Go out and consciously practice step three today. If you are unfamiliar with the 12 steps, you can look them up on the internet. You can find them in the big book. You can find them in the 12 by 12 book by Bill W. There's all kinds of resources, audiobooks, uh, book books, Kindle books, Nook books, um, digital PDF copies. I mean, it, the resources are unending. Please. Do yourself a favor and look it up. Or ask somebody who you know is connected to the 12-step community. They are wise people. My life has been changed by them. 
truly, in a beautiful, beautiful way. Recovery is an invaluable process, and I invite you to engage in it, no matter where you are in your journey, because we all have something to recover. Take good care of you today, and I'll see you tomorrow.